Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... Ultimately, what we're trying to achieve is to build a more inclusive economy that's about supporting all Australians to access meaningful work, an economy that values a really diverse workforce and that ultimately sees social enterprise as business as usual. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 446 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Sally McGeoch. Sally McGeoch is an experienced social impact professional with a passion for supporting work, integration, social enterprises, WISE, to scale through capacity building, strategic investment and collaborative partnerships. She's a senior advisor at Westpac Foundation, a philanthropic organisation with a mission to help WISE create 10,000 jobs for vulnerable Australians by 2030. At the foundation, Sally has a strong focus on building the collaborative capacity and evidence base of the WISE sector to address systems barriers to scale. She's also currently undertaking a practice-based PhD at the Centre for Social Impact Swinburne on the role of cross-sector collaboration in supporting WISE to scale. Prior to joining the foundation, she spent seven years working with startup social enterprises at Australia's former School for Social Entrepreneurs. She also has first-hand experience of establishing a successful WISE as a founding member of the Bread and Butter Project. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Sally's insights and lessons learned from helping start, grow and support social enterprises. Sally, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Tom. So Sally, let's kick off with a little bit more about your background because you've got some great experience. And I'm keen to learn what it was that led to this passion in supporting purpose-driven organizations and social enterprises. Yeah, look, I think I've always been fascinated by the power of business for good. I grew up in a small family business, a wholesale plant nursery in Brisbane, and my parents created a really inclusive workplace at the nursery, always employing people with disability. And my dad also set up a social venture with the Brisbane Women's Jail when I was quite young, where he established a nursery inside the jail and would give the women the plants to grow and then buy them back when they were more advanced. And it was a great way to help the women develop horticultural and business skills. But despite kicking off a more traditional career in business and communications, it wasn't long before I was drawn back to the for-purpose space, working on partnerships with for-purpose organisations in my corporate roles, but then wanting to better understand the sector by doing some study in the field and jumping into roles with not-for-profits and social enterprises including a youth social enterprise program at Oxfam. Although we didn't use the term social enterprise at the time, that mm. was in about 2001. And yeah. when you think about it, social enterprise is still 
quite a new term in Australia. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was involved in setting up the School for Social Entrepreneurs in Sydney in 2008, and it was totally new territory, and much mm. of the work I was doing at the time was trying to communicate what social enterprise was and help unearth and identify social enterprises across Australia. And I worked in that role on partnerships for seven years and saw at least 300 social entrepreneurs develop across the many accelerator programs we ran Mm. and gained such amazing networks and relationships with these social entrepreneurs and a deep understanding, I guess, of the needs of how to support them. So it was great to sort of bring those insights uh, into the Westpac Foundation where I've now been for over eight years. It's a great history and I'd just love to pick up on that point in saying back in 2001 we didn't call it social enterprise at the time because I can very much relate to that and it's a common story we have. So what did you call it back then? The Oxfam program was called Oxfam Youth Parliament and the term parliament was just used because it was about bringing young people together and I think we called them change agents or Mm. something to that effect and the purpose of them coming together was to learn from each other and develop an action plan, which is essentially like their kind of social venture yeah. startup plan. Yeah. So, yeah, the language was different, but the concept was the same. It was trying to catalyze a global network of young change agents. Mm, amazing. It's just a very common point we hear, and that language around change agents or change makers or a lot of other people who have in the past referred to it as sustainable business or, you know, all these things. It's nice to think that we are, as a movement, really starting to bring our language closer together now, right? So, Sally, let's talk a little bit about the work that you're doing at Westpac Foundation because you're doing some great initiatives and supporting the sector in many great ways. So, how is it that you're doing this and how are you supporting purpose-driven business leaders? I guess fundamentally at the foundation, we believe that meaningful employment is a really powerful pathway out of disadvantage Mm. for vulnerable Australians. And so we've set that goal that you mentioned earlier of helping our partners to create 10,000 jobs by 2023. And the focus of how we do that is through funding and programs specifically for those social enterprises that are creating jobs and employment pathways for Australians facing barriers to mainstream employment and economic inclusion, such as First Nations Australians, refugees and asylum seekers, youth at risk and people living with a disability. And we have sort of three sort of ways that we do that or strategic pillars. And one is what we call investing for job creation, which is multi-year grants for earlier stage social enterprises. And they're really focused on helping them build their financial sustainability Mm. as well as increasing their investment readiness and access to finance to collaborate and scale. And our sort of second focus area or pillar is called Programs to Drive Impact where we, I guess, leverage the skills and the capability of the bank at Westpac to provide support around capacity building and to really develop and connect our social enterprise leaders as well. And then the third area is collaboration for change, and it's all about building the profile of social enterprises in the sector more broadly, building networks, and contributing to the evidence base to help advocate for social enterprises. So I guess ultimately what we're trying to achieve is to build a more inclusive economy that's about supporting all Australians to access meaningful work, an economy that values a really diverse workforce and that ultimately sees social enterprise 
as business as usual. Mm. Some great initiatives there. And it was wonderful to be over at the Social Enterprise World Forum with you and see you bringing along those Westpac scholars that were all being supported as well. Some great people in the mix there. Many of you who've been on the podcast before, like Eloise Hall or Nicholas Marchesi, that support is just so appreciated. So Sally, given you're undertaking your PhD at the moment, and given that this is all about collaborative approaches to scaling these employment-focused social enterprises, what are some of the key observations and learnings that you've been finding to date? Okay, I could probably talk on this for a while. <laughs> it is a PhD. Feel free to interject. But, um, yeah, so as you say, the focus is on how cross-sector collaboration supports work integration social enterprises to scale. But a theme that I think is really important to touch on first is just what the concept, this concept of scale and scaling strategies. Um, cause I find that often we default to thinking about scale in terms of just organizational growth, mm. investing just in individual social enterprises so that they can serve a greater number of, of beneficiaries or have a greater range of supporting those beneficiaries needs. But scaling impact to tackle really complex social issues, I feel, requires a much broader approach and Mm. mindset. And my observation so far is that scaling through collaboration with other social enterprises and cross-sector partners holds greater potential to lead to systemic change than just that organisational growth approach. Yes. It's interesting, there's a, a great article which I can share in the podcast by a New Zealand-based academic that talks about ecosystem growth as a strategy to scaling impact. And he defines it as sort of indirectly addressing social problems on a large scale by growing or sustaining a supportive social enterprise ecosystem. Mm. I guess it's that concept that a rising tide lifts all boats. And I've been really fortunate in my research to work with three Fantastic case studies, street white box enterprises and jigsaw mm. who are all leading a range of activities that we consider to be part of that ecosystem growth strategy. And a finding that a common theme in these approaches is that really critical role of a systems-oriented social enterprise stepping up to lead collaborations and coalitions mm. to drive and build the sector on a larger scale and Just to give a couple of examples of ecosystem growth, one way is through infrastructure work and the Purpose Precinct, which is a new retail marketplace for social enterprises at the Queen Victoria Market in Melbourne, is a perfect example of that. It really is. Um, It's been brought together by uh, leading social enterprises, street and good cycles, and it's really about building the Victorian social enterprise ecosystem So it's creating a physical marketplace as well as an online marketplace. It's drawn in over 40 small and regional social enterprises so far, and it's giving them access to new markets as well as opportunities to sort of connect and learn from others. So through this sort of precinct approach, they're estimating by 2024 to have sold products from over 100 social enterprises and created jobs for sort of 75 people. So it's sort of more scale than you could possibly achieve just through one organisation alone. Another great example is sort of the coalition work that Whitebox Enterprises has been leading with their payment by outcomes trial. Mm. And this involves 16 
work integration social enterprises coming together and being paid outcome payments for the job outcomes they create by government. And it's a really exciting initiative which is designed to sort of really demonstrate and recognise the effectiveness of social enterprise in delivering long-term employment outcomes compared to traditional sort of employment services. And it's building a fantastic evidence base. They've just released a couple of reports this year already on the trial. And so that's another example of how we can scale at a larger rate when they're supporting up to 150 people across that trial at the moment. But if it's expanded, it could support tens of thousands yeah. of individuals. So taking the lead in these ecosystem growth strategies, it's important to note that those organisations are doing so much invisible work that mm. often isn't recognised or, or funded. So I have written about this in some LinkedIn posts, which I'd love you to share if people are interested in understanding from a funder's perspective how to better support these collaborative activities and system scale. But definitely things like flexibility in funding is really important because collaboration is not linear, it's emergent and iterative and it requires funders to hold that kind of lightly and fund at different sort of layers of the, the collaboration. We also need to obviously think about capacity building as a step towards collaboration and a precondition for collaboration. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about how we can support organisations that are working in that space as well. And pooling funding as well, I find from the Westpac Foundation, we were involved in an exciting initiative this year where we pulled funding with seven foundations to fund work integration social enterprises. And if you're doing things on that scale in a collaboration, you're also reducing the risk. So there's there's lots of ways that I've observed that we can better support systems initiatives and collaborations. And yeah, I've just really loved uh, working alongside these various social enterprises to have some of these insights and share them broadly. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some really great examples that you list there, Sally. Of course, Bex got also, around that COVID time, pulled together that coalition of food-based enterprises around the moving feast. And of course, the figures around the PBO that came out and the data is just so encouraging with what we've seen the last week or so as well. Some great examples. If you provide us with those links through to the LinkedIn post, what we can do and for our audience, if you head on through to Sally's article on impactboom.org, you'll then be able to find a list through to these different posts, the different organisations and further information to dig into. So thanks again, Sally. Let's talk then a, a little bit about traits and important traits because you've observed, you talk about people like Luke Terry or Rebecca Scott who are out there very much doers creating strong approaches. But let's talk about those traits then of these leaders and entrepreneurs that you see that are out there creating positive change. I have actually been thinking about what's unique about leaders like that and I came up with a little acronym uh, that is linked to the term WISE, which I feel is is a good way to think about the, the unique value they bring to the sector. So like the W in WISE, I think it's really critical that you have that deep local knowledge and understanding mm. of the barriers to the social challenge you're dealing with in my sort of case, it's really understanding the barriers to sort of meaningful work for vulnerable people. Mm. The I is innovation. So I think what I see across the board is this bold vision for change, 
these entrepreneurs aren't satisfied with the status quo and that is really critical that they're looking to to create significant change mm. not incremental change through their initiatives the s is social i find that the impact entrepreneurs that we work with they're amazing at bringing diverse people together to sort of share in their vision and also to collaborate on those shared goals mm. Mm. and the e is sort of entrepreneurial so i guess this is the exciting part of social enterprises that they're very opportunistic and they're able to also work across sectors and see opportunities where others often might see barriers and also open to changing their mindsets. And I think I'd probably add a bit more on that point is that I've worked in lots of different sectors in my career and I feel that's brought, um, yeah, I guess a greater understanding of, of different languages and ways to sort of communicate across sectors. Mm-hmm. And I find that for the impact entrepreneurs that are successful have developed that understanding and language as well because we can't look to different sectors and see them as the problem. We have to see the opportunity and bring them along on the journey and find champions. So I think, yeah, being open to new conversations and being challenged across sectors is a really critical trait that I would probably emphasise at this point in time when collaboration across sectors is really critical. I couldn't agree more, Sally. I think there's some great traits that you've just listed out there. And I think if you talk a little bit earlier about this sort of ecosystem, systemic sort of approach to coming together, to collaboration, to using this as a way to really drive forward that the change that we so desperately need to see and to create that scale. I don't know whether you agree with me or not, but certainly it feels like at the moment when we talk about impact-led or purpose-driven social enterprise, B Corps, profit for purposes, and then into that sort of gamut of activity around more the corporate space with ESG, CSR, shared value, it feels like there's a range of silos that are really operating within this business for good space. There's mm. also a range of certifications, whether it be within Australia and further globally, right? And I'm wondering what it is that we need to do to really drive this movement forward to the next level and break down these silos. So what is your opinion on how we can really grow this business movement and take it mainstream. What are your thoughts? Mm, super interesting. And you mentioned the Social Enterprise World Forum earlier, and I was really fascinated to see them grappling with this issue. Yes. Um, so you'd recall one of the big announcements at the World Forum was a new brand almost uh, mm. for the business for good sector, acknowledging that Social enterprise doesn't always resonate as a term, especially with sort of First Nations organisations. And so they've got this new brand called People and Planet First. And, yeah, I thought that was really interesting as a way to sort of galvanise all of these different legal forms and entities that are essentially working towards the same goals of putting Mm people and planet before profits. So I think, yeah, that's exciting. It hasn't trickled into Australia yet. It's all quite new. I think it will be complementary to the social enterprise certification programs that we have through social traders. But um, I think it says what everyone's trying to achieve through these different forms. So that's probably one way we can all start to speak the same language. Mm, Good example there, Sally. Thank you. 
You've given some great ones already, but let's talk a little bit more because I know Westpac Foundation has supported many other organisations too. So what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently or been working directly with that are really creating this great positive social change? Yeah, I guess I'll keep on the theme of systems initiatives because we obviously support quite a lot of individual social enterprise who we all love. But just to emphasise the collaboration kind of theme, one I mentioned earlier was the Purpose Precinct and Mm. what I enjoyed seeing that develop is really it's just at the first stages now. They've got a handful of leases at the Queen Victoria market and some 40-odd social enterprises, but it's now it's so visible and it's had its launch recently and I think people can see that collaboration and the power of it come to life and it's what that's now catalyzing on a larger scale. Um, so there are plans for the precinct of the concept to move beyond just the Melbourne CBD and, and Spark precincts in regional areas, in other cities, and it would just be amazing to see that kind of network develop across the country. Mm. And so I guess I'm quite excited about, you know, the possibility of these sort of demonstration projects leading to that sort of larger scale initiative. So that, I guess, would be one example. And then the other, which is very current, is just the work of our intermediaries and peak bodies. I'd like to acknowledge in particular the work of Social Enterprise Australia who yeah. just formed, I feel like it was less than 18 months ago <laughs> yeah. uh, in Australia, but they've just had such a profound impact on our sector already mm. um, through developing a really clear roadmap with, with and for the sector to realise, you know, our vision of social enterprise being business as usual, but they've had such a strong focus on advocacy as the lever to unlock change in the sector. And we've seen in the last few months some amazing announcements come out through the federal government around funding packages and then more recently recommendations for policy change to our employment services system and the acknowledgement that the Commonwealth should develop a national strategy for social enterprise. Mm, so mm. I guess I just wanted to emphasise the power of these collective initiatives for change is, I guess, what really excites me in the sector at the moment. It really does. It excites me too. And that's a big shout out to everyone who's been part of all of that hard work. And there's just so many people who've worked for so many years in helping make this happen. It's so exciting to see that really starting to come through now. So, Sally, to finish off then, what books would you recommend to our listeners? Keeping with the theme again of collaboration, systems change and complexity, one of my favourite reads, which is really a simple text on systems change and networks, is called Impact Networks by mm. David Ehrlichman. I think I pronounced that correctly. And it's really looks at how collaborations often fail because they attempt to kind of navigate complexity through building traditional hierarchical networks and Mm. approaches Mm. rather than building those kind of hub-and-spoke models we need to think more laterally in terms of thematic and local networks and how we connect those in with each other and to reinforce each other and yeah there's some really great visuals in the book and that was fantastic for my research but also just helped me think about how we can better support networks and and intermediaries in the Mm. sector. The second one would probably be just a book I picked up just earlier this week 
by a, a U.S. complexity leadership expert called Jennifer Garvey Berger, and uh, she's produced a couple of little books, and the one I was given was called Unlocking Leadership Mind Traps, How mm. to Thrive in Complexity. Um, and she just distills sort of the difference between complicated and complex worlds really simply and talks about how we can sort of work better with complexity as leaders by avoiding certain mind traps. Mm -hmm. And one of the mind traps that resonated with me was just this notion of control or fixation with control that we have. And I guess from a funder perspective, reflecting on that and if we're supporting sort of systems initiatives in the social enterprise sector, how we need to think more about how we can support organisations and networks to create those conditions for change and to build trust rather than a prescriptive kind of set of outcomes mm. which can often lead to too much rigidity and really suffocating innovation because yes. dealing with complexity is really <laughs> a very emergent space and sure you want to have some broad goals but having a lot of flexibility in that and not getting too fixated on certain outcomes or controlling certain outcomes. So, yeah, that was a really interesting, I guess, aligned piece that I picked up this week that I would recommend as well. Yeah, a couple of great ones there. And, again, we'll put links through to those resources in Sally's article. So, Sally, you've shared some absolute nuggets of wisdom today. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and insights. And we'll certainly look forward to following your journey as you progress as well. So thanks again. No problem. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you.